Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. We are on book the sixth. What what book are we reading? Oh, I don't um, remember. What, what what is that word? The Arsats elevator. Ursats. Ursats. Well, I'm handing it to you, Ding Dong. Oh. Yeah, Ding Dong Dingy. Well, let me see. Peyton was like, "Well, hand it to me," but she wasn't looking. And I was like, "Hello." I was like this. Hello? I mean, if you don't, you know. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, thank you. I was going to say, you don't have to sand it out. I was just wondering if if you remember. I'm pretty sure it's uh, Esme. Nope. That's Twilight. Her name's Esme. Yeah, but that's not what it says. Uh, it says, like, Ursits? I don't know. I feel like this, it up on the phone. this book was made to make parents go do I think okay you look like you're positioning yourself to fall asleep rather quickly no can you okay just can you check on google what it says how to pronounce it sure I can do that let's do that let's all do that together Mm. let's see here hmm let me find this um, I okay, don't six. know anybody that still uses, like, those button phones. Oh. I don't think I do either. Okay, we're looking this up, guys. Series of unfortunate events. What is Series 6 called? Okay. Uh, no. Seven book. No. This is not... Okay, some other answers coming up. We're, we're going to look this up after. No, 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 no. Okay, you got... Okay, I'm going to start reading. And we're going to just for now call it the Ursitz Elevator. Wait, how do you spell it? How, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, okay, she's doing it. We're doing it again. E-R-S-A-T-Z. Um, they look like they're falling down the elevator, which is actually, like, kind of scary. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, chapter one, <clears throat> if Peyton figures out how to spell it, say it, she's going to tap me. But let me ask first. Wait, how do you spell it? Oh, jeez, mini Christmas. E-R-S-A-T-Z. Hold on. Oh, okay. Airsats. Airsats. Okay, say it again. Airsats. Airsats. Okay. Airsats. Okay. We've got it. Two minutes later, we've got it. The Airsats Elevator. Chapter one. The book you're holding in your two hands right now, assuming that you are, in fact, holding this book, and that you have only two hands, is one of two books in the world that will show you the difference between the word nervous and the word anxious. The other book, of course, is the dictionary, and if I were you, I would read that book instead. 
Like this book, the dictionary shows you that the word nervous means worried about something. You might feel nervous, for instance, if you're like serving served prune ice cream. Ooh. Okay, just pruned ice cream for dessert. What do you mean? Just no, what? No, I mean like okay, just like that's gross. Oh, I that's thought you were gonna gross. say okay, just read, and I was gonna say I, I um, What do I look like? Your mom. Remember when I said that to Molly and she said yeah, and I was like, I meant your maid. <laughs> I'm worried about something. You might feel nervous, for instance, if you were served prune ice cream for dessert. <laughs> because you would be worried that it would taste awful. Whereas the word anxious means troubled by disturbing suspense, which you might feel if you were served a live, or served a live alligator for dessert because you would be troubled by the disturbing, disturbing suspense about whether you could eat your dessert or whether it would eat you. And do you know when you're nervous or excited, the feeling in your stomach, like the butterflies, mm-hmm. it feels like the same. And it so when people, what? like when you're nervous or excited. And so if you're like really nervous about something, think about it and you're like, what is the difference between this feeling, being nervous, and the feeling of being excited? It's exactly the same. I know. So it's because like... When I'm, when I'm scared <clears throat> to like jump in because at my dad's pool because mm-hmm. it's like... Sometimes it's really cold when I jump in. Yeah. But then I'm also excited. Yeah, same thing. Same feeling, huh? So you can just switch it in your mind and say, I'm going to say I'm excited because that's a way better word than for the feelings that I'm feeling. Huh? Yeah, when I have butterflies, I'm like, oh, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, you're troubled by disturbing suspense. Okay, well, you're blah, 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 blah. It will eat you. Okay. But unlike this book, the dictionary also discusses words that are more, far more pleasant to contemplate. The word bubble in this in the dictionary, for instance, is the word peacock. Uh, is wait, what? For instance, is as the word peacock, the word vacation, and the word the author's execution has been canceled, which make up a sentence that is always pleasant to hear. Honestly, sometimes this book makes me feel like I need to go back to school. So if you were if you were to read the dictionary rather than this book, you could skip the parts about nervous and anxious and read about the things that wouldn't keep you up all night, weeping and tearing out your hair. <sighs> but this book is not the dictionary. And if you were to skip over the parts about nervous and anxious in this book, you would be skipping the most pleasant sections in the entire story. Nowhere in this book will you find the words bubble, peacock, vacation, or, unfortunately for me, anything about an execution being canceled. Instead, I'm sorry to say you will find the words grief, despair, and woeful as the phrases dark passageway, Count Olaf in disguise, and the Baudelaire orphans were trapped, plus an assortment of miserable words and phrases that I cannot bring myself to write down. In short, reading a dictionary might make you feel nervous because you would fight you would worry about finding it very boring. But reading this book will make you feel anxious because you are being tr- you, because you'll be troubled by the disturbing suspense in which the Baudelaire orphans find themselves. And if I were you, I would drop this book right out of your two or more hands and curl up with the dictionary instead because all the miserable words I must use to describe this unfortunate events are about to reach your eyes. I imagine you must be nervous, Mr. Poe said. Mr. Poe was a banker who had been put in charge of the Baudelaire orphans following the death of their parents in a horrible fire. 
I'm sorry to say that Mr. Poe had not done a very good job so far, and that the Baudelaire's had learned that the only thing that they could rely on with Mr. Poe was that he always had a... What did he always have? Are you already falling asleep? Mm-mm. Yep, she is. He already had... Oh, okay. He already had a cough. Sure enough, as soon as he finished his sentence, he took out his white handkerchief and coughed into it. A flash of white cotton was practically... The only thing the Baudelaire, only things that the Baudelaire orphans could see, Violet, Klaus, and Sunny were standing with Mister Poe in front of an enormous apartment building on Dark Avenue, a street on one of the fanciest districts in the city. Although Dark Avenue was just a few blocks away from where the Baudelaire mansion had been, the three children had never been in this neighborhood before. They and they had assumed that the dark in Dark Avenue was simply a name and nothing more than the way a street named George Washington Boulevard does not necessarily indicate George Washington lives there, or on the way Sixth Street has not been divided into six equal parts. But this afternoon, the Baudelaire's realized that Dark Avenue was more than a name; it was a, an appropriate description. Rather than street lamps placed at regular intervals along the sidewalk were enormous trees, like of which children had never seen before, and in which they could scarcely see now. High above the thick, prickly trunk, the branches of the trees drooped down like laundry hung out to dry, spreading their wide, flat leaves out in every direction. Like a low, leafy ceiling over the Baudelaire's head, the ceiling blocked out all of the light from above. So even as though, if though the, it was in the middle of the afternoon, the street looked as dark as evening, if a bit greener. It was hardly a good way to make three orphans feel welcome as they approached their new home. You have nothing to be nervous about, said Mr. Poe, putting his handkerchief back into his pocket. I realize that some of your previous guardians had caused a little trouble. <clears throat> Come on, little page. had caused a little trouble, and I think Mr. and Mrs. Squalor will provide you with a proper home. We're not nervous, Violet said. We're too anxious to be nervous. Anxious and nervous mean the same thing, Mr. Poe said. And what do you have to be anxious about anyways? Count Olaf, of course, Violet replied. Violet was 14, which made her the eldest Baudelaire child and the one who was most likely to speak up to adults. She was a superb inventor, and I am certain that if she had not been so anxious, she would have tied her hair ribbon up to keep it out of her eyes while she thought of an invention that could brighten up her her surroundings. Count Olaf, Mr. Poe said dismissively, don't worry about him. He'll never find you here. (sighs) The three children looked at one another and sighed. Count Olaf had been the first guardian Mr. Poe had found for the orphans, and he was a person as shady as Dark Avenue. He had one long eyebrow, a tattoo of an eye on his ankle, and two filthy hands that he hoped to snatch away the Baudelaire's fortune that the orphans would inherit as soon as Violet would come of age. The children had convinced Mr. Poe to remove them from Count Olaf's care, but since the Count had pursued with a dogged determination, a phrase here which means everywhere they went, thinking up treacherous schemes and wearing disguises to try to fool the three children. 
It's hard not to worry about Count Olaf, Klaus said, taking off his glasses to see if it was easier to look around the gloom without them. Because he has our, our, whoa, what's that word? Our compatriots in his clutches. Although Klaus, the middle Baudelaire, was only 12, he had read so many books that he frequently used words like compatriots, which is a fancy word here for friends. Okay, good. I'm glad they mentioned that because I did not know what that word was. Klaus was referring to the quagmire triplets, whom the Baudelaire's had met while they were attending boarding school. Duncan Quagmire was a reporter and was always writing down useful information in his notebook. Isadora Quagmire was a poet and used her notebook to write poetry. The third triplet, Quigley, had died in a fire before the Baudelaire orphans had an opportunity to meet him. But the Baudelaire's were certain that he would have been as good of as good as a friend of his siblings. Like the Baudelaire's, the Quagmire or the Quagmires were orphans and having lost their parents in the same fire that claimed their brother's life, and also, like the Baudelaire's, the Quagmires had been left an enormous fortune in the form of a famous of the famous Quagmire sapphires, which were very, very rare and valuable jewels. But, unlike the Baudelaire's, they had not been able to escape Count Olaf's clutches. Just when the Quagmires had le- learned some terrible secret about Count Olaf, he had snatched them away, and since then, the Baudelaire's had been so worried that they had scarcely slept a wink. Whenever they closed their eyes, they only saw the long black car that had whisked the quagmire triplets away, and and they heard only the sound of their friends shrieking one fragment of the dreadful secret that they had learned. V.F.D. And we still don't know what that means. Huh, Peyton? Who's not asleep? She's definitely asleep. Duncan had screamed just before the car raced away and the Baudelaire's tossed and turned and worried for their friends and wondered what in the world VFD could stand for. You don't have to worry about the quagmires either, Mr. Poe said. (sighs) Confidently. Confidently. At least not for much longer. I don't know if you happen to read the the Mulctuary Money Management newsletter, but I have some very good news for you, your friends. Gavu, Sunny asked. Sunny was the smallest and youngest Baudelaire orphan, and the oh, oh, was the youngest Baudelaire orphan and the smallest too. She was she was scarcely larger than a salami. This size was the usual size for her age, but she had four teeth that were larger and sharper than those of any other baby I have ever seen. Despite the maturity maturity of her mouth, however, Sunny usually talked in a way that most people found different, difficult to understand. By Gavu, for instance, she meant something along the lines of the quagmire. The quagmires have been found and rescued. And Violet was quick to translate to Mr. Poe so that everyone would understand. Better than that, Mr. Poe said, I have been promoted. And now I am the bank's vice president in charge of orphan affairs. That means that I am in charge of not only your situation, but of the quagmire situation as well. I promise you that I will concentrate a great deal of my energy on finding the quagmires and returning them to safety or my name isn't here mr poe interrupted himself into a coughing once more into his handkerchief and the baudelaire's waited patiently until he finished poe now 
as soon as I drop you off here, I'm taking a three-week helicopter ride to the mountain peak where I, where the quagmires may be, may have been spotted. It will be very difficult to reach me during that time as the helicopter has no phone, but I will call you as soon as I get back with your young pals. Now, can you see the number on that building? It's hard for me to tell if we're at the right place. Well, I think it says 667, Klaus said, squinting into the dim green light. Then we're here, Mr. Poe said. Mr. Po- Mr. and Mrs. Squalor live in the penthouse apartment of 667 Dark Avenue. I think the door is here? No, it's over here, a high scratchy voice. Oh, no, it's over here, a high scratchy voice out of the darkness said. The Baudelaire's jumped a little in surprise and turned to see a man wearing a hat with a wide brim and a coat that was much too big for him. The coat sleeves hung over his head, hands, covering them completely, and the brim of his hat covered most of his face. He was so difficult to see that it was no wonder the children hadn't spotted him earlier. Most of our vision is hard to spot out with hard to spot the spot the door the man said that's why they hired a doorman well i'm glad they did mr poe said my name is mr poe and i have an appointment with mr and mrs squalor to drop off their new children oh yes the doorman said they told me that you were coming come on in the doorman opened the door of the building and showed them inside a room that was just as dark as the street Inside, uh, instead of lights, there were only a few candles placed on the floor, and the children could scarcely tell whether it was a large room or a small room that they are standing in. It, my, it's dark in here, Mr. Poe said. Why don't you ask your employees, employers to bring a good, strong halogen lamp? We can't, the doorman said. Right now, dark, it, dark is in. In what? Violet asked. Just in, the doorman replied. Around here, people decide whether something is in, which means stylish and appealing, or out, which means it's not. And it changes all the time. Why, just a couple of weeks ago, dark was out and light was in. You should have seen the neighborhood. You had to wear sunglasses all the time or you'd hurt your eyes. Dark is in, huh? said Mr. Poe. Wait until I tell my wife. In the meantime, could you show us where the elevator is? Mr. and Mrs. Squalor live in the penthouse apartment, so I don't I don't want to walk all the way up to the top floor. Well, I'm afraid to tell you that you have to, the doorman said. There, There's a new pair of elevator doors right there, but they won't be any use for you. Is the elevator out of order, Violet asked. I'm very good with mechanical devices, and I'd be happy to take a look at it. Mm, that's a very kind and unusual offer, the doorman said, but the elevator isn't out of order. It's just out. The neighborhood decided that elevators were out, so they had the elevator shut down. Stairs are in, though, so there's still a way to go to the penthouse. Let me show you. The doorman led the way across the lobby, and the Baudelaire orphans peered up at a very long curved staircase made of wood with a metal banister that curved alongside. Every few steps, they could see somebody had placed more candles so that the staircase looked like nothing more than curved of flickering lights and growing dimmer and dimmer as the staircase went further and further up until they could see nothing at all. I've never seen anyone like anything like this, Klaus said. It looks more like a cave than a staircase, Violet said. Hence, Sunny said, which meant something like or outer space. It looks like a long walked 
Walk to me, Mr. Post said, frowning. He turned to the doorman. How many floors does this staircase go up? The doorman's shoulders shrugged under his oversized coat. I can't remember. I think it's 48. It might be 40, 84. I didn't know this a building could ha be so high, Klaus said. Well, it's either 48 or 84, Mr. Post said. I don't have time to walk you children all the way up. I'll miss my helicopter. You'll have to go by yourself and tell Mr. and Mrs. Squalor that I send my regards. We're going to have to walk by ourselves, Violet said. Just be glad you don't have any of your things with you, Mr. Poe said. Miss Squalor said that there is no reason to bring any of your old clothing, and I think it's because she wanted to save you the effort of dragging all of the suitcases up those stairs. You're not going to come with us, Klaus said. I simply don't have time to accompany you, Mr. Poe said, and that is that. The Baudelaire's looked at one another. The children knew... The children knew, as I'm sure you know, that there is usually no no reason to be afraid of the dark, but even if you are not particularly afraid of something, you might not want to get near it. And the orphans were a bit nervous of climbing all the way up to the penthouse without an adult walking beside them. If you're afraid of the dark, Mr. Poe said, I suppose I could delay my search for the quagmires to take you to your new guardians. Um, no, no, Klaus said quickly, we're not afraid of the dark and... And finding the quagmires is much more important. Oh, bog, Sunny said, undoubtedly. Just try to crawl as long as you can, Violet said to her Violet said to her sister, and then Klaus and I will take turns carrying you. Goodbye, Mr. Poe. Goodbye, children, Mr. Poe said. If there's any problem, remember, you can always contact me or any of my associates at Mulchuary Money Management, at least as soon as I can get into off of the helicopter. There's one good thing about this staircase, the doorman joked, starting to walk with Mr. Poe back to the front door. It's all uphill from here. The Baudelaire orphans listened to the doorman's chuckles as he disappeared into the darkness, and they walked up the first few steps. As I'm sure you know, <sighs> from the expression, it's all uphill from here. It has nothing to do with walking up the stairs. It merely means that things will get better in the future. The children had understood the joke, but they were too anxious to laugh. They were anxious about Count Olaf, who might find them any minute. They were anxious about the quagmire triplets, who they might never see again. And now, as they began to walk up the candlelit stairway, they were anxious about their new guardians. They have tried to imagine what sort of people would live in such a dark street, in such a dark building, and at the top of 84 or 48 flights of stairs... In the dark, they found it difficult to believe that things would get any better in the future when they lived in such a gloomy, poorly lit surrounding. Even though a long upward stair climb was awaited them, the Baudelaire's, the Baudelaire orphans started walking into the darkness. They were too anxious to believe it was all uphill from here. I thought all uphill from here or downhill from here. Uphill meant hard and downhill is easy. So I don't think that's exactly what that means, but that's okay. Whatever. And Peyton's totally asleep. She's going to have to listen to this in the morning. Just like you guys, because she is sleeping. Nope. Way out. Oh my gosh. 